because she, I had asked her to make sure I have a microphone and we failed. But anyway, before I read the scriptures this morning, I want to look at a, a verse here. It's in Joshua chapter 5, 15, just one sentence. It says, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. I sometimes wish that the Lord would just kind of remove the veil so we could see what's happening here on Sunday morning in worship. You know, this isn't just something we do during the week. This is something that God calls us to. He calls us together into his presence. And when he takes us up into his presence, we are with the angels in heaven and the other heavenly hosts, whatever they may be, with him in his presence. And then he gives us a word so that we can go out into the world like he gave Joshua a command so that Joshua could go out into the world. This is a marvelous thing that we have an opportunity to do here this morning, that we are doing here this morning. And right now, we get to hear the word of God. So if you would please stand, I will read Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 6-5. So, it says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua asked him, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, But as the commander of the army of the Lord I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, Have all the people give a loud shout. The wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up. Every man straight in. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Dean. You may be seated. So let's see. So far in the book of Joshua, the Israelites have crossed the Jordan in a very unexpected and miraculous way. The Abrahamic covenant has been reaffirmed through circumcision. The Passover has been celebrated, and God has stopped providing manna, and the people are now living off the produce of the land. Now on to Jericho. Time to get the campaign started. And perhaps that is why it tells us in verse 13 of of chapter 5 that Joshua was near Jericho. It may have been that he was studying the layout of the city and trying to develop a strategy for overcoming those massive walls. In 
I guess it's Halley's Bible Handbook. I don't have that one in my library, but I did find this on the Internet. In Halley's Bible Handbook, it says, The walled center of the city of Jericho covered seven acres. The double wall was 30 feet high. Two walls were 15 feet apart. The outer wall was six feet thick. The inner wall was 12 feet thick. It was three stories high. The walls were linked together by houses built on the top. It was impervious to assault with the weapons Israel had. Oh, well, forget Jericho then. So obviously this Jericho presented a formidable obstacle to Joshua and the Israelites. And I can, can you see Joshua right now? He's the responsibility of leading his army against the city. His head, head is down in thought. He's contemplating the situation. How are we going to get this done? And he looks up to see a man with a drawn sword standing in front of him. And he asks a pretty logical question. Whose side are you on? Ours or the enemies? Whose side are you on? And the answer he received is probably not one he expected. Neither. The commander of the army of the Lord is saying, I haven't come to take sides, I have come to take over. See, that Joshua at this point has to gain an understanding of the chain of command here. See, Joshua had asked the wrong question. It wasn't a matter of his side or the enemy's side. It was a matter of God's side. Was he on God's side? The battle belonged to the Lord. And because it did, it was not Joshua's job to plan the strategy. It was God's. And notice here that Joshua recognizes that he is having an encounter with God. He falls to the ground in reverence and asks, What does my Lord have for his servant? And if you read the commentaries on this, you know, there's lots of ideas about what was going on here. But most of these say that what Joshua was encountering here was what's called a theophany, or maybe the pre-incarnate Christ who had come to speak to him. And he was told, and this may sound familiar, and, and Dean made reference to this this morning, he's in this place, we've heard these words before, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Do you remember where that was said before? The burning bush and Moses. Who was Moses talking to? Who was speaking to Moses? Who was? It was God, wasn't it? And so we find these very same words in this situation where Joshua finds himself. And, 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 and as, the, as the commander of the Lord's armies shares with him, there are two things that Joshua is required to do here. Number one is reverence God. And that's exactly what he did. The other thing he was required to do was obey. And if you look at verse 2 of chapter 6, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, 
Notice the language there. I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Not I will or not I'm planning to, but I have. Past tense. It was already done. God was saying, when you do as I command, the city will be yours because I've seen to it already. So, what does Joshua need to understand here? What do we need to understand? We must know whose side we are on. In, in Exodus chapter 32, verses 25 and 26, it's a situation where Joshua comes down off the mountain and, and the people have built the, the golden calf. Remember that? And it says, Moses saw that the people were out of control because Aaron had let them get out of control, making them an easy target for their enemies. So Moses stood at the camp's gate and said, Whoever's on my side... No, he didn't say that. He said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And it says that all the Levites gathered around him. And then there were some serious consequences to pay for what the people had done. Whoever is on the Lord's side. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31, it says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And it's easy to think, well, if God's on my side. Well, God is for us because we're on His side. That's where it starts, folks. God is for us because we're on His side. And how do we know we're on God's side? Well, Joshua gives us some clues. We reverence him as God and Lord, just as Joshua did. And the other thing we do is we obey him. We keep his commandments. We follow his instructions. We do things his way, just as Joshua did. We will find out. So the commander of the Lord's armies has come to him, and he gives Joshua some instructions. And they're kind of odd instructions. See, we must be obedient to God's strategy, for God had a strategy that he wanted Joshua to use. In 1984, there was a movie came out entitled The Karate Kid. It's a story of Daniel LaRusso, who moves from Newark, New Jersey, to Los Angeles, California, after his widowed mother gets a new job. And it's a move Daniel did not want to make. And it's... And the whole thing's made more difficult by a group of guys at school who have it in for him. See, this group of buddies at school are all taking karate from the same instructor whose mantra is, your, your opponent is the enemy, show no mercy. And when there's a problem with the sink in Daniel's apartment, he goes to Mr. Miyagi, the Okinawan-born maintenance man for the complex. And it turns out, that Mr. Miyagi's a pretty talented guy. Not only is he a good fix-it man, but he also knows the art of bonsai, the little trees that they trim, and he knows karate. In fact, he's a master. And at that point in the story after Daniel, at a point in the story after Daniel's been harassed and beaten up a couple of times by his antagonist from school, Mr. Miyagi agrees to teach him karate on two conditions. One, 
Daniel must do whatever Mr. Miyagi asks. Number two, he must do it without question. And I've got a video clip here, and please excuse where we thought we had this buzz in the sound system dealt with for a while, and it's back. So, you know, turn off the part of your hearing that picks up the buzz, and okay. Walk left side, safe. Walk middle, sooner or later, get the squish, just like grip. Here, karate, same thing. Either you karate do yes, or karate do no. You karate do guess so, just like grip. Understand? Yeah, I understand. Now ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Yes. Must make sacred pact. I promise teach karate. That to my part. You promise learn. I say you do. No question. That to your part. Steel. Steel. First wash all the car, then wax. Wax. Well, what do I have to wash all the car? Remember, dear, no question. Yeah, but right. I... Wax on, right hand. Wax off, left hand. Wax on, wax off. Breathe in through nose, out the mouth. Wax on, wax off. Don't forget to breathe. Very important. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Hey, where these cars come from? Wax on. Detroit! Wax off. Well, Daniel's training has begun, but it's not what he expected. In fact, um, if you were able to watch the rest of the movie, not only does he have to do the wax on, wax off, but he has to sand the floor. Okay. He has to paint the fence, and he has to paint the house. All right. We'll get back to him in a while. By the way, Mr. Miyagi has about a dozen classic cars that he has to wash and wax, so... Well, so here we are um, at Jericho. The commander of the Lord's armies has come. He's given instructions to Joshua about how to conquer this city. And Joshua, uh, excuse me, Jericho was in a pure defensive mode at this point. Verse 1 of chapter 6 says, Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the Israelites. No one went in and no one came out. Jericho didn't think they could win, but they were hoping not to lose. Do you understand what I'm saying? Remember, they're in fear. Uh, the, the crossing of the Jordan and what they witnessed, I mean, that was the last straw. They, they knew that they couldn't win against these guys, but they were hoping not to lose. 
A number of years ago, I coached um, high school girls soccer in Eastern Oregon, and and um, soccer wasn't part of our culture where we lived. We were a ranching, uh, farming community. Um, you know, we played football, basketball, and baseball. So soccer was kind of the this this I don't know. The thing that, well, you, if you couldn't make it for any other team, it came out for soccer because you could make the team. We just didn't have. And um, the other thing was uh, the basketball was big, so um, the, the basketball coaches would encourage their, their girls who played basketball to come out for soccer because, number one, it helped them get in shape, and number two, some of the skills were transferable. So we had unskilled people who came out because they could get on the team and basketball players. And so we were generally at the bottom of the standings in our league. And we went to Central Oregon to play Bend one time, and they were at the top of the league. They were untied and undefeated. They were the best team in the league. Um, and um, we had a plan, the head coach and I. I was assistant coach. We decided uh, to be kind of like Jericho. We didn't think we could win, but we didn't want to lose either. So we did. our plan was to play what we call bunker defense. We had one girl forward, and everybody else stayed back and played defense that day. In other words, our, our, our hope for offense was just about zero. So... That's what we did. We pulled everybody back. We kept one girl up by the half line in case, you know, somebody could clear the ball and she might be able to run onto it. And maybe, I don't know that that ever happened. But And so we frustrated the other team all day long. And it ended up, we didn't win, but we didn't lose. It was a scoreless tie. That's what we were aiming for. And it was the first time they'd been tied all year, so it was a feather in our caps. In fact, the coach came to us afterwards, because Ben was going to move to the state playoffs, and he said, please, don't tell any other coach what you did here today. <laughs> and we wouldn't, because they'd go play the girls from the western side, and we always wanted to beat them anyway, so... So that's, that's the, the place Jericho is in. They're hoping for a scoreless tie. But God wasn't willing to settle for a scoreless tie. He wants a win and He has a plan and He shares the plan with Joshua. But it doesn't make a lot of sense from a human military, here's how you conquer a fortified city point of view. And so I'm pretty sure that when that plan was shared with Joshua, that's not quite what he was expecting to hear. But he took his instructions from God and then passed those instructions on to the people. And it might have sounded something like this. Okay, here's what God wants. First, march around the city every day for six days. All of you. The armed men in front, and then the seven priests with seven trumpets and the Ark of the Covenant, and then the rear guard. Oh, by the way... The trumpets are to be the shofar made out of ram's horns, not the metal kind that we use when we worship the Lord with music. And by the way, you have to just keep blowing them continually. And then, folks, on the seventh day, march around the city seven times. 
And no shouting, no talking. In fact, don't make a peep until I tell you. But when I say shout, everybody shout at the top of their lungs. And guess what? The walls will come tumbling down. Right. <laughs> what were you doing out there? <laughs> the people were not asked to display any might or wisdom. They were only directed to careful obedience. By their silence and the sounds of the ram's horns every day, all the attention was directed to the ark. Who was doing this? Were the Israelites besieging the city? No. It was God. He would be the one to bring the walls down in His time and in His way. Have you ever looked at some of the miracles that God did in the Scripture and then... There's somebody who tries to explain from a scientific point of view how this really happened. You know, it's got to be that all the sounding of those ram's horns created big cracks in the city wall, right? Sure, six feet thick, 12 feet thick, I don't think so. And notice the number seven. Seven priests, seven trumpets, Seven days, seven times around on the seventh day. The number of completion. And when all these things were brought to completion, God acted. And it would be apparent to all, both Israelites and inhabitants of Jericho, that God did this. You do not conquer a fortified city by doing what? The people of Israel did. You just, you just don't. Everybody knew that. The only way this would happen is if God did it. And the only way this would happen is if they were obedient to God's instructions. To do what He told them to do as strange and weird and, no pun intended, off the wall as it sounded. And God tells us that that's the way it is. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And guess what? This would not be the first time in Israel's history that God would ask someone to go against an enemy with a strange, unusual strategy. Move forward a few years to the book of Judges and this guy named Gideon. And you can read about him in Judges, well, several chapters, but in Judges chapter 7 it says this, because... The Israelites have been disobedient to God and they're worshiping the idols of some of the neighboring peoples and, and they've got problems now. And God had allowed the armies of Midian and Amalek to invade the country. And in Judges chapter 7, verse 12, and this is from the New Living Translation, it says, The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore, too many to count. 
And if you read the whole story about this incident, you discover that there were 135,000 soldiers in those combined armies. And here's how God says you're going to take them out, Gideon. You're going to use 300 men with water jars, trumpets, and torches. That's how you're going to get the job done. No bazookas, no cannons, no spears, no swords. Water jars, trumpets, and torches. But you know what? If that is God's plan, then they're going into battle fully equipped. Right? And what happened? Well, when these 300 obeyed God and did what He told them to do, those combined armies turned their swords on each other and the rest were chased down and killed. Of that vast army, 120,000 died. So I'd say water jars, trumpets, and torches are pretty effective strategies. See, God's ways always work. Let's, uh, let's go back to Mr. Miyagi and, and Daniel LaRusso, shall we? Sand of Roa. Sand of Roa. Big sucker. Sand of Roa. Sand of Roa. Now show me wax on, wax off. Aye. Wax on, wax off. Hat on, wax off. Hey, wax on, hat. Wax off. Concentrate. Look in my eye. Lock a hand. Thumb inside. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Wax on. Wax off. Show me paint of fence. Up, down. Up, down. Up, down. Other side. Look, I. Always look, I. Show me paint the house. Side, side. Lock wrist. Side, side. Side, side. Show me wax on, wax off. Show me pen to fence. Show me side to side. Show me sand of So Mr. Miyagi had this really unusual strategy for teaching Daniel karate. It's called muscle memory. 
He had him doing all these things that would become automatic after a while. He was defending himself. But to Daniel, none of that made sense till he saw the result. What an improbable way to teach karate. What an improbable way to conquer a city. And notice that in all of this, that, that the people of Israel were called to do, there's no mention of grumbling, complaining, disagreeing, or questioning, which is really a turn from what we experienced in the desert, isn't it? Perhaps the Israelites had learned the lesson that what they could expect from God was the unexpected. See, God usually rarely uses time-tested, approved methods, or at least approved by us. There's no such thing with God as standard procedure. The only thing we can get used to is that God will probably work in a way that we did not predict. Because we often know what God should do in given situations, don't we? You know, everyone that marched around Jericho knew that cities aren't conquered by marching around them. I mean, what you do is you set up siege works and you try and starve them out or, you know, whatever they did or launch things over the top or... But that's not what they did. They marched around the city. You know, there there are a lot of things you can do to conquer a city, but marching around them isn't one of them. But God's ways always work. So we have to be willing to do things God's way. Even if it seems off the wall or strange or weird or unusual, or uncomfortable. So there was this huge obstacle. I mean, they just crossed the Jordan. Here's this huge obstacle in their way. And God has said, if you do things my way, that obstacle will will be removed. Have you ever faced an insurmountable obstacle? Maybe you're facing one right now. Maybe a habit you've had for a long time and not been able to overcome. Maybe it's a circumstance in which you live and it's a, there's a constant threat to your spiritual life and it seems like nothing can change it. It may be a situation in which you have been placed. Maybe someone you have to work or live with or some problem that seems unconquerable to you. And you can't ignore it. You can't pass it by. You can't leave it standing. It's got to come down. You know, there was no saying, well, listen, Jericho just can't be conquered, so we'll just go on by and leave it there. God said, no, we've got to take the land. And Jericho's part of that. You can't ignore it. You can't pass it by. You can't leave it standing. It must come down. So what do we do? Well, we invite God onto the scene. Into the circumstance. We let Him take over. Are we on His side? And then we obey Him, even when it doesn't make sense. 
Remember, it's his strategy. Henry Blackaby, in his book, Experiencing God, said this. We invite God into our circumstances and then have a tendency to misinterpret the things that take place in our lives thereafter. They may seem troublesome, counterproductive, accomplishing nothing. Remember, you have invited God on the scene. He does things differently than you would expect. Ask him for wisdom to understand what he is doing and the strength to obey and see if the walls of your Jericho don't come tumbling down. Remember this song? God will make a way when there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide, hold me closely to his side with love and strength for each new day. He will make a way, he will make a way, even when it looks strange or unusual or why would God do it this way, he will make a way. And folks, the walls of Jericho in your lives that you're struggling with can come down. Those obstacles can be overcome. Amen? Let's take a moment to pray. First of all, um, we come to those places in our lives that are Jerichos for us. And like the people of Israel, we understand that we're really not equipped to lay siege to this fortified city. They didn't have the weapons. We don't have the weapons. So what do we have to do? We have to invite God onto the scene, into the circumstance, and ask Him for His strategy. And when He gives that to us, when He shows it to us, and it may be a step at a time, we have to obey Him. Even if it seems like a strange, unusual thing to do. Like, how would this ever work? Yet, folks, we have to obey Him. And when we do, He will make a way. And listen, the, the walls of Jericho didn't come down the first day. They had to do that strange thing seven days in a row. But when they did what God told them to do, it worked because God's ways work. They do. God's ways work. And so this morning, I just want to pray, some of you may be up against a Jericho in your life. And, you know, you've got the double wall, six foot thick and twelve foot thick, and you're thinking, this is like an impenetrable fortress. Well, but listen, God has a way to bring those walls down, to overcome that Jericho, whatever it is. So let me pray with you this morning. And, and as I pray, and you, you have the sense that, you need to say, Lord God, you're in charge here. I invite you onto the scene, and I agree to be obedient to your strategy, whatever that may be. Father, we come to you today. We're, gl- we're glad that you're, you, Lord God, know what it takes to overcome those fortresses, those Jerichos, those impenetrable obstacles in our lives. And you know that it's not a matter of us just saying, you know what, I think I'll just bypass this one because it's still there when we do that. 
It has to be dealt with, whatever that may be in our lives. And, and so my prayer, Father, for those who are facing those kinds of things today in their lives, whatever they may be, is that number one, as Joshua did, they will reverence you as God. It won't be a question of, God, are you on my side or not? But the question will be, God, am I on your side? Are you Lord and God of my life? And if you are, then, number two, am I willing to invite you onto the scene and say, I'll do this whatever way you tell me to do this. Even if it seems backwards or unusual or strange or how can this work? I will do what you tell me to do. And if those things along the ways you give me instruction, if they don't make sense, I will come to you and say, God, give me the wisdom to understand what you're doing here, but to keep trusting you no matter what. And to believe whether it's one day or seven days or seven months or even seven years. Because it's going to happen in your time. The walls of that obstacle will come down. So, Father, we bring these circumstances, these challenges, these barriers, these Jericho walls to you today. And we commit ourselves to you and to your ways because we know your ways always work. And we thank you for that. And we wait to see what you will do as we walk in obedience to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.